In today's show, I'm going to be joined by Dan Besbris, and we're just going to have a chat about things happening in fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So let's uh, let's get him. Let's bring him in and let's have a chat with Dan Besbris. All right, now I can bring him in. It is, uh, I don't, what, what's it, Sports Ethos, the host of That's Fantasy, right. Fantasy NBA today, <laughs> Sports Ethos, Dan Besbris. Let's uh, let's bring him in right now. Daniel Besbris Jr., how are you? Hey, pretty good. Yeah, we're just thrilled to get the hyphen out of oh, our my site God. name. Um, I, saying hyphen out loud must have been so frustrating for all those years that now you've got it out. Now people can uh, go and misspell and mispronounce Ethos. That's right. We were trying to go. We do the five dollar college word now, but no hyphen. That's a that's a big win. Now, Dan, we are what eight weeks into the fantasy basketball season. Stuff has happened. Our draft day predictions make us all look dumb. You and me and the collective fantasy basketball community, because of course, shit happens. Weird stuff happens all over the place. So what we're going to do is we're going to chat about some stuff um, that is going on in the NBA. Get some differing opinions. I'm sure we have differing opinions on things. Uh, across the fantasy basketball world. So let's talk about those. And there was one here um, that came in talking about new starting small forward in Sacramento, Terrence Davis. Allegedly, we have different opinions on what we're doing with Terrence Davis. I don't know. You know what? I'm not even sure what my opinion is necessarily on Terrence Davis. But what's your opinion on Terrence Davis? I like him. You know, I, I, uh, I'm feeling bullish right now. I thought he would take a hit with Harrison Barnes coming back, not necessarily because he was going to take his job, but just that there'd be a squeeze put on him of some kind. And I know that Buddy Heald was epically bad, even by Buddy Heald standards in their last ball game, and that contributed to sort of allowing Davis to get a little extra run. But Heald's been on the trade block for two seasons now. I don't think that there's an impetus to, to kind of ram him back into things. So why not take a go at Davis? He's looked good in their starting lineup, and they're playing at Alvin Gentry pace all of a sudden. So fantasy stuff to go around. Yeah, look, that's basically my opinion. I was like, okay, let's see what happens when Harrison Barnes comes back, whether they keep starting him. Is it going to be Harkless? Is it going to be Metu? I don't know what they're going to do. They did start him. He played pretty well. He had 16 points in 30 minutes. But also, you know, two of his the two first five starts he had, he had 13 points and eight points and played 17 and 15 minutes in those games. So I wouldn't say that was particularly su- successful. He also started earlier in the season, had six points in 20 minutes. So it's not like that all he needed was opportunity because he did have opportunity for the first three starts and did jack shit in those games. And the last couple have been really, really good. I don't know if I buy him being a 64, 56 and 55% shooter, which he has been the last three games. But yeah, look, you take, that's why you take. Well, that's why I took the flyer on Metu earlier in the season. This is a starter who's playing 30 minutes who might get you some contribution across a few different categories. So take take the chance. Add him. 
And let's see what yeah. happens. I was skeptical until yeah, right. I was, I was skeptical until Barnes came back, and then he kept the same role. He produced all right. Obviously not the same level, but he produced all right. All right, let's go. Let's let's see where it goes. So I don't think yeah, we're we didn't too disagree. Far off. That was I I was wondering it, what what our disagreement was, but we yeah. didn't. <laughs> no, it's, it's basically the same thing. Now it's another one. Now this is definitely not a disagreement, but. And um, they say, you are both Melton proponents. Yeah, it's because he's really good. Give us your two cents on his current situation. Well, to me, Dan, he's just a, a clear must roster. There's no Jar Morant. There's no Dylan Brooks. And Dylan Brooks is oh, yeah. out in the COVID protocol. So that's probably 10 days. Jar Morant's got, I, I don't know, something. Sore knee. An injury that's going to keep him out for 10 years or uh, four more days. I've got no idea because Memphis are a bunch of assholes and won't tell us what the injury actually is. So we don't know when Jar Morant's back. But I don't care. Just add Anthony Melton. It's, it doesn't get any more straightforward than that, I don't think. I have a, a side rant that has nothing to do with this about how teams have gotten so cryptic with their injury <sighs> stuff. It's the last few years, because, I mean, you've been doing the pod far longer than I have, mm. but I, my show's only been in existence four or five years, and I remember at the beginning, it wasn't like this. So it's within the last four or five years that teams have started to do this weird stuff. But, yeah, on the Melton front, um, I think the only – sad realization that I finally came to after all these months of saying it's gonna work it's gonna work is when they get healthy he's probably screwed because Jenkins is gonna yank him around and we've seen it now four five six different times but when Brooks is out he's a monster so any format any type you've got a week maybe two that's a roster move well spent in head to head and games cap like there's no penalty for just picking up and dropping within one day even so hell yeah fire him up and when everybody's healthy you probably have to kick him out yeah that's i think that's pretty clear like we've seen that like i think the thing that well the way that i do this gives us to more of an overarching you know fantasy um theory session here but we look at what a player does we look at opportunity we look at current stats we look at how they play as a player but we also have to view like who do i think is actually a good player that eventually a coach is going to realize needs to play those minutes like that's how we try and look at it go well at the moment it's not happening right it's it's a luxury you hold on maybe they realize but that's where we sit with melton we know he's good we know he's better than dylan brooks like i think a lot of people know that but if the coach doesn't know that, then it doesn't matter whether we think that or not. And if the coach has had two, three years to realize that and hasn't and just refuses to do it, then we just have to say, well, it's just not going to happen unless something massive changes there. Something massive has changed. It will go back and change the other way very soon. And then we move on and then we do this dance all over again. Yep. Yeah. Can't argue with it. I mean, like we want it. We all want it so bad. We can all see it. We look at all the numbers that say it, but... Yeah, exactly. They're not doing it. And it's not it's not like, oh, man, you just love Melton. You're just obsessed with his fantasy sets. No, no, I just think he's a very, very good player and needs to play more than he does. And it's pretty ridiculous that they don't do that. But that's that's fine. That's that's their decision. I'm not a coach, unfortunately. All right, here's a question from uh, Big Alb. Big Albert says about Franz Wagner, what does he have to do, Dan, to convince us that he's more than a streamer-level player? Um, I, I think oh. I, I think I'm convinced at least for now because there's a bunch of blokes out but i think what albert might be forgetting is that before suggs got injured he put up what like you know two two point performances in a row and, and really was struggling and the upside didn't look particularly low suggs went down usage went up wow what a coincidence that is uh, and then when suggs comes back and then fultz comes back and then the um, apparition that is jonathan isaac's spirit and essence eventually um makes his way into a uniform it is going to have some sort of impact on Wagner. And he's not a guy that's going to blow up in multiple categories. He's just going to give you average stats across everywhere. And then when that drops by 10%, it becomes below average in every category. And that's not exciting. But for now, I do think he's clearly a must-roster player. 
whether that lasts when we hit middle of, or end of January, I have my doubts. Yeah, I, I'd love to add anything to that, but I almost said those words as I recorded my own show right before we did this one together. I thought it was an interesting question. I thought, you know what, I'll throw the, the thoughts in on this. Yeah, Suggs went down, and that was enough of a bump. So, yeah. I don't know, I think there was a follow-up tweet to that original one because I, I actually answered it on Twitter. I was like, look, there was this month in the middle here where he was unrosterable. Uh, and yeah, you're going to see those ups and downs with, with a young player, but the fact that it has coincided a bit with guys being out and the fact that there are three key players out, you have to be a little bit concerned, but there's no problem in starting him for however long this is a month, month and a half, two months. Maybe it, maybe it clicks during that time. Uh, I've been trying to get the term streamer with benefits to catch on. So whatever we can do on that front, uh, maybe that's it. Like you stream him and then. Great. Yeah. It turns into a long-term relationship. Exactly. You just see exactly where that goes. Um, there was something I was going to say with Wagner. I don't remember what it, what it is. Oh, yeah. That's so, uh, yeah. I've been, I guess, sort of high in it because people have been like, oh, man, I'm going to add Trimmer a key kick he's going to cut in. Like, no, no. Trimmer's nothing compared to Franz. Like, they are committed to Franz, and that's fine. But Isaac's a very different story when that eventually does happen. I, I want something to talk about with rookies with you in a second. But first, I've got to tell you, Dan, about um, Trubill. Now, Dan, you're a man who was often in the words of Dennis Smith Jr., out in, in your younger days, you know, slanging the wood around. But now you're a happily married man, so hopefully this isn't a problem for you. But there might have been a case where one of your exes was still using your Netflix login. What a disaster that would be for all of these years that you kindly gifted that password and it's still being used. Well, Truebill can help you find those subscriptions that you don't need, that you don't want, or the ones that you simply forgot about, and it can help you save money. It is the app that just makes those subscriptions very easy to cancel. So you get your Truebill concierge, they jump in there and they cancel your unwanted subscription so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and helps save them over 100 million bucks. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. I want to talk rookies because this is not a question that someone replied to here, but... I was talking on my show during the week about Scotty Barnes and saying, look, he's playing really well, but I reckon at the moment he's a bit of a sell high because Ogunanobi's not there and Ken Birch is not there. And we saw when those guys were healthy that Barnes took a back seat. The usage dropped back off. They were playing different lineups and he just wasn't that same guy. At the moment, like over the last couple of weeks, he's like a top 40 player, like really rolling. And someone said, oh, well, that's unfair. You could just say that for every rookie, that they're all sell highs because they're playing well at the moment. But it's it's not a rookie thing. It's got nothing to do with being a rookie. It's To me, it was just to do with seeing what actually happened when those guys were healthy and Barnes wasn't the guy that was getting 20 usage. He was getting 13 usage or 14 usage and the ball wasn't in his hands because the other guys were there. So yeah, how do you view someone like Barnes at the moment and trying to pass the excitement of a rookie who's super fun? Like he's unbelievably fun as a player. We, we love what he does on the court. He's been a, a huge, huge surprise, but also trying to realize, uh, well, not realize, but trying to look at the reality of like, we saw what happened when those when these guys were back and it did drop his numbers quite a bit. Like how do you try and get that message across or, or do you have a different thought on it? No, I mean, I, I think I'm generally in agreement. I'm probably even more of a curmudgeon than you are on the topic. That's kind of, become my mo over the years uh generally anti-rookie because they they do mostly create their value early in their rookie season with sell high moments so sure i you know i could draft a bunch of them and try to wait for these blips 
and go and sell them off. It's not the case with all. I don't want to create a blanket statement because like you're not doing it with Evan Mobley. Yeah, you're not doing it with him. Yeah, he's he's a stud. He's a monster. Um, but yeah, most of these other ones are going to go through periods where they have incredibly hot stretches. The shots are dropping. The turnovers come down a little bit. And we've watched this long enough in our lives to know that rookies are going to have the pit that comes after that. So, yeah, I mean, you can almost do it with all of them. Not all. You still want to analyze each thing case-by-case basis. But when you see a rookie going on a hot stretch, first of all, watch them. I think the eye test actually does help quite a bit there. If you can see the game slowing down for the rookie or, you know, are they are they on a heater? Make your move based on what you see in the numbers and what you see watching the games live. And I think more often than not, you're going to find, yeah, early in a rookie player's first season, that is a sell-high moment. That's not a the-game-has-clicked kind of thing. I, I I know I talk a lot here, but I, I think to, like, Trey Young as a pretty good recent example of someone who was basically unrosterable for, like, the first four yep. months of his rookie season, and all of a sudden... He started to figure it out. Shots started falling. Field goal percent came up. Decisions got better. Assists got better. Turnovers came down. And you could see things start to crystallize for him that just doesn't really happen in November for the most part. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I have no problem with being called a jerk to say just sell high on your rookies if they look really good early. It'll probably burn you one time. But most of the time, you're going to win that. So I, I tend to think, well, maybe not differently, a, a little bit there, but I, I don't think there is, I think general rules about things just don't work because I think Scotty Barnes is a sell high because players are out. I think Evan Mobley is a clear hold. I think Josh Giddy, I think, for example, will get better because I look at these numbers yeah. and go, well, that field goal percentage is really rough. Like, even if it increases two percentage points, that's not a huge amount and it's pretty easy for him to do that. Or if he goes from 11 points to 13 points and 41% to 44%, like that's not, yeah, 13 points and 44% shooting is not great. But it also takes him from a hundredth to like eightieth, and yeah, that so that maybe is a buy low. Yeah, Jalen Suggs was starting to come good before his thumb injury. We st- saw the the few things start to turn for him. So it's not like all of them are sell highs or all of them hit a rookie wall or all of them start slow and become good. It's all about context with every single player. So that's I just mentioned that because that's multiple people who have thrown that at me. That when I say, you have one mention, one talk about a rookie, and they go, "Well, that's just the same for every rookie." But it's not. It's just not the same. Like if we're saying that you know Franz had a slump to start the year. That, that meant every rookie was slow there and we all have to apply that to everybody. That's just not how any of it works because we don't really, um, you, don't, you don't say, well, every second year player is going to do this at this point or every player who's age 30 is going to do this at this point because it just is not how any of it works. And I think we love putting rookies together in one bundle because there's a nice term for them called rookies that we can then try and find this overarching um, pattern. And it just doesn't exist. It is very different across. But I want to stay in Toronto because this is a question, Dan, that I'm sure you got asked a million times. And I love throwing out a preemptive no on this stuff. But the question was, after stringing together a few solid performances, is Chris Boucher trending upward for the rest of the season? We may have differing opinions on this. To me, it is no. It is absolutely not. It is, uh, in fact... Oh, fuck off. Fuck off. Um, so, do you think Chris Boucher is trending up? No, no. I gave him as long as I could. I had a very clear plan with him at the beginning of the year. By the way, great show. Yeah. Uh, but, no. This is everybody's out right yep, now. Exactly. I do like that they gave him a shot, finally, as opposed to before. We were like, <laughs> and we'll start Yuk. And they played and him 22 minutes up. and said, uh, yeah. yeah, sorry, we're going to go with Justin Champagne instead of you. <laughs> 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 Mate, so, I don't know. Yeah. It couldn't get much worse after that. No. So, um, 
they gave him a, they gave him a look. I mean, I'll start him if I find out he's starting again. I've got he, no problem with. I think he probably does. Him. If I assume, yeah. I haven't looked, but I assume Precious is out again today. Um, but oh, I, can we talk about Precious to Chua's offense? <laughs> honestly, he's the he's the worst starting player in the NBA. Um, the worst rotation player in the NBA is Trey Lyles. The worst starter is Precious Chua. He is it, it's horrible. I don't understand how you can play that close to the rim and shoot that poorly. I mean, He's admittedly, I'm 5'8", so I shouldn't speak on this topic, but it doesn't make any sense. He's he's bad. He just takes bad shots. He's been watching he's been watching Andre Drummond and seeing like how can you be as poor of an offensive player while being that big and just thinking that it's all about you at all times. And um, yeah, sorry, sorry for the precious lovers out there. He's just really bad. He he might become good. I don't think he will, but I'm not ruling that out. But I'm telling you right now, he is not. He is not good in the slightest. But before we get on to the next and the last part today, now Dan, you said you're you're only five eight, but that doesn't mean you can't be like ripped like an absolute uh, Adonis. And to get to that level, it's Christmas time, so I think you're going to want a protein bar that is delicious, and you're going to want Built Bar because it is the best tasting protein bar ever. You if you you stuck for any Christmas gifts or any holiday present stand because built bar is going to be the option because everyone loves them but let me warn you i don't know if this has ever happened to you but you've gone home and you've discussed your favorite flavor of built bar and then just a massive brawls erupted because people are disagreeing is that has that ever been a problem for you it, it happens Constantly. here all the time oh it's it's yeah. unbelievable it's like an epidemic forget like covid pandemics the epidemic of punch-ons over built bar flavors is out of control these are low calorie low carb low fat low sugar but high in protein that is like that is the whole package if I could marry a protein bar, it'd probably be Built Bar. That is how good these are. So get your Built Bars at Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. Built Bar, it is built different. You want to place your bets for the season, football season, it's marching on. All your odds, your props, your lines, go to Bet Online. It is the number one spot to go and place all of your bets this season. And if you head to the updated desktop or mobile site, you can sign up today using our code Locked On and get a 50% welcome bonus. From basketball to football, the NHL, boxing, UFC, or even your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all of the great offers they have for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet Online is where the game starts. Let's do one more here, Danny. Um, what are we going to talk about? A couple of people asked this question. I think it's interesting. In Roto, which is really your bag, um, your speciality, at what point in the season, if ever, should you start focusing on specific categories at the exclusion of others? So like you're sitting at the bottom, you've got like a two in three-pointers and you just go, well, fuck this. Um, yeah, I I'm not going to win it. Let's uh, let's move on from the three-point guys because all we can do is lose one roto point here and let's start focusing in. When when do you do that? Is it if, like we're eight weeks in, if you're sitting with a two or a one in one category, do you fight to make that back or do you pour your resources into other areas? I love that question. I love a I love a good roto question. So the answer is now actually is a really good time to start doing Agreed. that assessment. You're a third of the way. Um, you've sort of yeah. You've gotten to know what your team is. The only caveat would be take stock of what might be missing on your team. Do you have a key player that's been out that will impact that category and might be the reason why you're so far down? Make sure you're looking at the average performance of your team. Don't just look at the total stats right now because someone might be 40 games played in front of you and you might not actually be second from the bottom in points. You might be fourth or fifth from the bottom when the games played level off. So that's a great spot to make that assessment. Uh, for me, and it usually ends up being points. So I'll just speak from personal experience. I end up 
with low scoring teams, I find the other categories are really easy to find. So by around now, maybe a little bit later in December, if I look at a team and I say, okay, I'm like, I am bottom worst in that category. Yes, I'm a few games played behind the other teams. So maybe there's some ground to cover, but what's the point? Do yeah. I, if I fight really hard, I might get to second or third from the bottom. But if I trade, I don't know, Tobias Harris, who's historically someone I've liked, but does feature a bit more in the scoring and percentages stuff. What can I get? Can I get someone who's going to lift me two, three spots in blocks and a spot in steals or and a spot in assists or rebounds? So it's all about ROI. Now is the time. Assess your team. Just make sure you're doing it thoroughly and accurately. And yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a midseason punt. I call it the give up, and I've done that many times. I think I can't add too much more to that, Dan. This is the right time to do it. It is, yeah. If you're sacrificing one point to gain five in other categories, it's an absolute no-brainer. But yeah, looking at averages is really important. And that's a, that's a great question. Dan, we'll cut it short there because I don't want to go too long because we've all got stuff to do. Thank you for coming on and um, tell people about yeah, where they can go and hear your dulcet tones and talking about your, you know, gigantic physique and um, yeah, five eight basketball skills. Yeah, my five eight basketball skills. I'm very good uh, from from downtown. If there's no one taller than five eight anywhere near me, that's my my basketball skills. I'm the guy that every time he plays pickup hoops, which is never, I hurt something. So yeah, give me a golf club. Uh, just follow me on Twitter. Everything we're doing over at Sports Ethos, I can tell you about over there. Social's easy. I'm on it far too much. It's uh, it's a gross habit, but someone's got to do it. Thank you so much, Josh. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Go and follow Dan. And of course, uh, don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the old Odyssey app. If you're on YouTube, thumb me up the middle, ring my little bell, drop the uh, comment down below, share it with your friends, guys. We are absolutely done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.